Good evening, dear listener, and welcome to our offshoot. Oh, what are you, an offshoot? <laughs> What's that? What is this called? Spin-off. Spin-off. That's not an offshoot. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Good evening, dear listener, and welcome to our spin-off Weekend at Crombie's podcast, Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, where we will be reviewing Rob Reiner's first seven films, as you know, because you've listened to the previous five. Um, this is Misery. Oh, no, what am I talking about? I've just gone into the thing. Wait, I can't do it here. You do it. I can't do it. It's too complicated. Weekend <laughs> That's going to be our intro. Oh, yeah, okay. Gonna... <laughs> All right, that'll do then. It doesn't matter. Let's just start. Yeah, right. Come on. <clears throat> Welcome, dear listener, to Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold. I'm Hugh. Here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money. <laughs> and my name is Dr. James Evans Esquire. Virginia, when you're in this car, you're not my wife. You're my deputy. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. I'm, I'm glad you included it from him. He's, he's a great character. Oh, he um, is. Sheriff but, Buster. Sheriff Buster. Um He's just Sheriff Buster. He doesn't even have another name, does he? He's just Sheriff Buster. Buster Sheriff could be his, Buster, his yeah. first name, his last name. He's just simply Buster. Yeah. But we're not reviewing Buster, the Phil no. Collins movie. We're reviewing, uh, <laughs> we're reviewing the, the sixth in our seven films of the Rob Reiner run. The first seven films he directed, Oof. each one of them a banger. This one, no different. Uh, Academy Award winning, highly yeah. acclaimed. Um, again, commercially successful. Commercially successful. Star making. Yeah. It is, of course, Misery. One of, the, one of the most commercially successful R-rated films in history. Of course it was R-rated. Again, we'll, we'll come into its rating. It doesn't deserve R-rating. Um, no. Um, but but uh, we'll, we'll come to all that. But uh, first, as as we as we always do, we will describe a movie that most of the English-speaking world <laughs> is familiar with. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen it. But we will go through it in great detail. Absolutely. So uh, we begin. Um, where do we begin? Is it, we begin with the, uh, the, well, the writing. We, yeah, it's quite. It's a relatively straightforward plot, actually, isn't it? So we 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 start we start um, in in the in the wilds of um, Colorado, don't we? Yeah. Is it Colorado? It's it is Colorado. It is Colorado it? Yeah. Yeah. See, we're already at eight minutes, and we're just deciding where it is that it is set. So you know, this so, <laughs> is going to take a while, isn't it? Um, yeah. So we're in the wilds of Colorado, and uh, our our erstwhile um, famed novelist Paul Sheldon. Played by, in the James proce- Kahn. played by James Kahn. He's in the process of finishing his latest novel. Um, his, I suppose what he, what he might describe as his first proper book, I guess, yeah. really. Because um, as, as he's tippy-tapping away, we flash backwards and forwards yeah. to him previously in, in New York in the office of his agent, um, played by Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, so it's a. Uh, I was gonna say for a film, we're coming to the yeah the stars of this film, but uh, for a film that's basically got two main characters in it, the extras are quite quite, yeah, quite they impressive. Are. Yeah, so, there's uh, an uncredited scene from J T. Walsh as I well. Know, yeah, which is weird. So, anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's he's basically described to his agent uh, because um, Paul Sheldon has made his entire career writing. I guess quite pulpy romance novels. Yeah, a bit um, like um, Mills and Boone, but maybe a little bit more sophisticated than Mills and Boone. But yeah, but not, that that, not, not that much more. I mean, they, so they sound quite um, bodice rippy. Um, they do, yeah. yeah. Misery, misery Chastain. 
that's it. The, 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 all these films revolve around Misery Chastain, uh, who is the star of these uh, these novels, and and gets into various adventures where her bodice rips a lot. Um, and Paul is now kind of you know he, and and sick uh, of it, isn't he? Well, he's been fantastically successful again in this, and yeah. he's had quite a long career, it seems, because um the you know the uh, the the um the agent Lauren Bacall is just saying you know Misery put braces on your kids, to send her to college. She's, she's bought you that your three houses or whatever. You know why are you going to kill her off? Because what he's done is he's written his final novel, which is yet to be published, mm. where mis- the final Misery story, mis- Misery's child, or whatever, um, Misery is killed off, and he's like, she, I've had enough. I've got to kill Misery, or I'll never write anything else. See, creative types are always like never satisfied, are they? I'm mm. with Lauren Bacall on this. Just you know, get over yourself. Really? I think. In many ways, the uh, the weekend of Crumbies to the Legend of Crumbies Gold is our post Misery's Child. <laughs> Although we haven't actually killed off our main creation, we just keep it dragging on. <laughs> you might be right. Uh, where were we? So, yeah, so, I mean, if it was me, I'd just, yeah, just keep banging out the miseries until uh, the public gets sick so of it. So would I. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'd get another house. Be, yeah, and then just do I'm a celebrity and then that's it. You retire. Yeah. But no, Paul Sheldon is of high stuff. He wants to write great literature. So he's gone off. So he's killed off his character, Misery, um, and he's driven off to, again, his, his usual haunt in Colorado because this is where he, he writes all his books. Kind of, he finishes them off in this this tavern where he hires it out for six weeks to do the final typing he's typed everything on a typewriter isn't he he's not there's no word processing going on here well it's 1990 they had computers there we've uh what have we seen haven't you what was the uh the nicholas cage one the uh the, the vampire when he was on some kind of primitive computer wasn't he I suppose he was wasn't he yeah, yeah. but yeah i guess it was typewriter you know it wouldn't have been uncommon for an author no. to write on the typewriter in and of course yeah it, it is very you know because very dramatic everyone loves a clacking oh yeah tear the pages off oh it's fantastic yeah there's a lovely bit where the he asks um he has an issue with the paper doesn't he oh yeah smudge is fantastic but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you rip the page out of the typewriter, Oof. scrumple it up. It's not quite the same as tapping the backspace on a on your processor. <laughs> no, it's worth getting a typewriter just yeah. for that. I wonder mean, if I could work just Mar- with the typewriter all day. Mousing over to that little symbol of three and a half inch disc and pressing save. And it's like, ooh, dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> James, have you got that report that I asked for yesterday? It'll be in the post in the next couple of days. I'm just finishing it off. Tap, 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 tap. I need tap, a new tap. ribbon. <laughs> Either way, where were we? He's, so he's he's finished his his um he, he stays in this tavern. He writes his manuscript. He packs it all up. He can't wait to drive home. He can't wait mm. so much. He drives home in a blizzard. Yeah. Um, well, he has and, a, he has a, he has his a big obligatory cigarette, lucky stripe, ooh, and a yeah. glass of champagne, which is yeah. his ritual when he finishes a book. A bo- well, um a Dom Perin Dom Perignon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he has Dom. Yeah. So he has his he has a glass of champagne, a single cigarette, and a single match. He has a little yeah. r- r- ritual. Does this, smokes a cigarette, and off he goes. Um, throws his manuscript in the car and he's driving back in this horrendous conditions and uh, yes he uh the, the thing that finally causes corrupt is the manuscript is sliding off the seat so he, he turns attention to to save it as if it's some kind of child full out of his seat belt yeah and, and also you know if if the manuscript fell off the seat onto the floor it's not the end of the world is it no it's, yeah, it's just it's, on the floor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah but the things that probably went through his head in his leisure time of which he has plenty to think about yeah, uh, yeah. because what happens is he loses control of the car vump, off the road it goes tumbles over many times paul is his, his legs are shattered he's left for dead and the, the car's covered up with snow and when that could be the end of Paul, but it's not. He has a savior, oh, uh, a, yes. a a heavy set uh, and highly uh, swaddled person comes along with a crowbar and, uh, and basically smash whips the car door open, uh, hauls Paul out, does a fireman's lift, and takes yeah. him back. 
Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes, what a stroke of luck. And even better, she's a trained nurse. So, <laughs> and even better than that, she's his number one fan. She's heard of him. So she, yeah. uh, she Not rescues. Heard him. of him? No, has every every one of his novels? Yeah, she's his number one fan. She rescues the manuscript at the same time. So she, uh, she, she drags him back to her her isolated farm. Uh, kind of pins his legs back together <laughs> gives him the cocktail of drugs introduces uh, him to misery the pig misery the pig uh and and yeah so uh so paul probably has escaped death he's not um, i suppose he, he's philosophical that he's, he's escaped death which is quite nice slightly unnerved that he's in this person's house <laughs> as yeah. you would be <laughs> yeah but also again uh, at least you know he's he's waiting for the blizzard to clear so he can call his agent and and, and set his life back right again at this point there is a it, it's not completely unusual isn't it you, you know everything that happens you, you might expect him to be stuck in this house given the blizzard that's going on yeah yeah um and so what happens next so the next uh annie uh well then she's... the next hour and a half of the film is just it, <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's set in that bedroom isn't it the, the, yeah, spare, it's really... the entire thing is the spare bedroom uh it's uh, yeah so what happens uh, annie uh we, the mask slips a little bit when annie is uh asks to read his new his new manuscript yeah. which is not a misery book it's a it's a book of uh of, of slum kids is all we know about it um yeah. and apparently the language is a little bit profane which uh which annie is, is not happy about it uh it uh you know, it diminishes his his art and uh and she's saying you know, what she, she, she doesn't say uh she's giving some of your christing money what else she says? Yeah. You know, i've got a i've got a big cockadoodle bag of corn yeah. or something <laughs> Annie does not, yeah Annie does not swear no she doesn't swear and let, but she does eventually though she does yes uh and she, she does a lot of things eventually yeah. <laughs> so yeah but she, but she loses her temper about the swearing and as she's feeding him soup she spills a little bit and then with a little bit of red flag she screams at him look what you made me do yeah. um and then but she's she's very cheerful in the next scene because uh the latest misery book has been published finally she's gone out so, and got it hasn't she got, got it uh, somehow the phone lines are still down but she can make it out to town to buy the latest yeah. misery book and she's reading it page by page and it's so exciting because misery is getting everything she wanted she's getting a child and la 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 and wonderful 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 except when she read a uh, paul i don't know if he looks concerned or not he should do <laughs> yeah he should shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> because he knows how the book ends and he knows yeah. how attached annie is to misery um she's already gone into into things about you know when her husband left her she wanted you know she she fell into a depression and misery pulled her out of it so she you know she deeply bonded good, with misery it's not, it's not, it's not looking, looking good, good. <laughs> and in fact she does finish the book um apparently in the middle of the night because uh yeah paul is paul is awoken by annie at his doorway uh screaming at him basically yeah. you, how could you do this she you can't know, die you murdered her yeah slamming but, his bed and uh and so Paul is a little bit shaken by that. He's very much more shaken when she goes, oh, and by the way, no one's coming for you. No one knows you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, so, a, that's a real red flag, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not good, not good. Um, <laughs> Although he so. doesn't, he, I mean, I know that, I know that um, Paul Sheldon in this, he's quite a passive character, isn't he? Cause, yeah, yeah. But he didn't, I'd be like going, oh, shit. <laughs> like, no, what? But he just looks like, oh, okay. Yeah. He is hopped up on some quite powerful drugs. I suppose he is, yeah, yeah. in fairness. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's, Annie is all the energy in the scene, mm. um, which, again, continues because she decides the uh, the only way he can uh, he can set Urge himself right, himself. which the God God has told Annie to do yeah. this, uh, he presumably got a little barbecue set and uh, finds his novel on the uh, on the on the, um, the the manuscript for his new novel on the barbecue, and Paul has to burn it uh, so that he can get back to writing Misery. So it's um, quite a after... nice scene as well, where. Um... Paul goes, well, you know, my uh, my agent's got a copy, you know, this is going to the um, the distributors at the moment. So this really isn't the only copy. So then she goes, well, burn it then. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, you know, it's no problem. I can if you want. Yeah, OK. 
And then she says, I know, I know this is the only copy because yeah. I know everything about you and I know all of your rituals, etc., etc." Yeah, he's too superstitious to make another copy. Yeah. Also, that was a terrible bluff from Paul because you yeah. could just say, we'll burn it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's no way out there, is there? Yeah, it's like, I don't care. We'll do it yeah. then. Oh, oh, I do care, but I was lying before. Yeah, what he should have said was, I lace each page with arsenic and so therefore if it's burnt, it will immediately poison us. Yeah, we had a nice one. Yeah, exactly. See, I've got it all sorted. I'm not going to get caught up in a lonely uh, spinster's farmhouse yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I suppose actually, again, we can come into the style of this. Is um, previously when all is well and and uh, Paul, because Paul is bedridden now and he's still playing the part of his nurse, mm. he has to do the uh, the thing. We have to till in a bottle because you can't yeah. get to the toilet. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and Annie, Annie then takes his bottle and then she just chats to him about different things and she's she's gesticulating with this bottle of urine right yeah. over his bed yeah. that he can't take his eyes from. But that's repeated later on when she's got the manuscript because she's doused it in lighter fuel yeah. and she's got the lighter fuel in her bed and she's like gesticulating. But as she does so, the lighter fuel is spilling it's, all over his sheets yeah. and. You're thinking, yes, she's being a bit clumsy because she's done that kind of thing before. But, or, but also, I think, is she doing it on purpose? Exactly. If he doesn't yeah, play ball, know. yeah, he, he. I think Paul Twiggs is too. He's thinking, you know, she's covering my bed in lighter yeah. fluid and telling me to do something. I'd better do it. Mm. So he, he does do. He's, he's, he's quite depressed that he has to do it. But I think he sees he's in a bit of a bind here. Um, but then Annie, again, decides, having now burnt the manuscript, we can bring Misery back to life. She buys him a typewriter, which is missing the letter N, which is which is not great for writing a novel. Especially um, if your main character is called Misery Chastain. <laughs> yes, or, or you want to use the word and in any way. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Because <laughs> um, so, I thought they replaced it, but actually you see the pages and there is no N in There's what no he's N, typing. Yeah. They go, oh my God, that would drive you mad. Um, but he's got bigger problems because what she's uh, basically saying is he has to, he has to write uh, yeah. the next Misery and he's like, bring it back to life. And he's like, yeah. oh, what? Well, he says, well, I can't just churn it out. And yeah. She goes, oh, but you can, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he does churn it out. And the first, really uh, the first couple of chapters are not sufficient. He can't cheat um, because and and he uh, again. This I is the logic. It's the logical consistency. I'm with her. <laughs> I'm, she was t- this description of her at the um at the flicks. You know the, uh, the I'm the, with her. That oh, would the, be cl- me. The, the cliffhangers. Yeah, because basically. There was, she was saying there was a, yeah, they show cliffhangers where, you know, someone was trapped in the burning vehicle and then the next, uh, the next episode they'd escaped, but he didn't get out of the car. Mm. But it was very revealing that Annie was saying she stood up in front of all the other children and started yelling at them. Have you got yeah. amnesia? Don't you remember thinking, yeah, Annie didn't have a happy childhood, did she? No, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have just let it seethe inside. And then made a podcast, perhaps, where you just yeah, past thirty to bit. forty years later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I w- yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yes. You wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he's he now has to yeah write away around it. And again, um, there there was again a scene when he she buys the best quality paper, which Paul mm-hmm. points out. It's interesting he does this because he also wants her to clear out so he can try and mm-hmm. make his bit because he's in a wheelchair at this point. He's, he's actually mobile. Um, and he's seen a hair clip on the floor, the uh, the, the telltale yeah. hair clip. It's always a hair clip. Um, well, uh, so we, you can unlock a door. Absolutely. I, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll come to the door unlocking. Cause, <laughs> yeah, it's not as easy as that. <laughs> no, um, but well, yeah, we'll 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 just forgive that. But yeah, he uh, he says you know, all this paper she's bought. She's bought quite a lot of paper too. Uh, it's no good because it smudges, and it does do. He points out that it smudges, yeah. which. You think he's made a fair point. She's imprisoned yeah. him and making him write a novel. All she could do is buy him some paper that works. Yeah, I think, you know, 
there's, there are many scenes in the film where I think Annie is probably being unreasonable. But, but this, 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 I think, is the biggest one because she really takes offence to this. Yeah, I thought, like, oh. I, yeah, I thought this too. And considering everything she does before and after, yeah, I, I was most yeah. upset by the paper thing too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I think, well, I'm with, I, absolutely with Paul Sheldon here. Yeah, but no, she was, uh, she was a bit upset. So, can I get anything else? Some, some, because yeah. Paul, Paul is at this point pretending to be amenable and, and yeah. nice. He's like, it's not like I won't use his paper. He goes, oh look, Annie, do you see? I typed mm. smudge and it smudges. Isn't that interesting? Perfectly goes, reasonable. Yeah, and she goes, oh well, really? Can I get you slippers? Anything else I can get you? So you get the whole it. goddamn cockadoodle store. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then she slams the paper down on his broken legs. Yeah, um, but then she storms off to get some more. So that's his chance. He picks up the pin somehow picks the lock of the door we'll just say it can be happened um, even though he has no trade in it he looks um, surprised so that's fair enough that's true and he, and he wheels around the house knocks over a uh, an ornamental penguin but catches it phew <sighs> oh my goodness no harm done there um, or is there or is there uh explores explores the house uh it doesn't it doesn't get very far it doesn't learn very much in his first uh foray no, well you, uh, you he finds that the the phone is um there isn't really a phone it that looks was, like it's a fully yeah, functional a phone, phone. it's got no it's got no innards <laughs> Yeah, so Annie just keeps an, an empty phone in the house yeah. to torture anyone who might escape from her <laughs> prison cell. Yeah, because the first thing he does is go to the phone because he's like, oh, thank goodness there's a phone. Right, Hang on, yeah. oh, 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 you're joking. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it's a bit weird why Annie A wouldn't have a phone because she's living an ostensibly normal life. Um, yeah, and unless she's... Quite mad. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or gutted the phone because she thinks he might do that. Something. Uh, that's that's a possibly. Good yeah. I mean, otherwise she's just got an empty phone, which is weird. <laughs> I think probably gutting the phone is a good move because she she certainly made a plan to so she would make sure her place was locked down even yeah. against him breaching the first yeah. wall. So that's quite good. Yeah, I'll accept that. Um, he he tries to go for the kitchen knives, but he can't get in. And then Annie comes back, so he has to basically drag himself. Uh, or he, he nicks some more pills. Yeah, he nicks some more pills. That, that's stuck it, in that's the door, he, doesn't he? he? He steals a big packet of his pain pills um, and then has to quickly haul himself back in his chair and back in his room and yeah. I think it's to relock it and everything. Yes, they're uh, just in time. Yeah, luckily he's able to to uh, to pretend that him sweating vigorously is because he needs his pain medication, which he's no longer taking. He's he's hiding it because he's got a plan. Yeah. Um, and so he begins work and uh, and he now accepts the next draft and it's it does seem that what he's doing is quite pulpy but i got the impression that misery is quite pulpy anyway because uh, yes, it's absolutely. like misery the, the the doctor found misery and she the bee sting, was, isn't it? she was put to a coma by a bee sting and they found out that only royalty has bee stings and this yeah. kind of stuff so yeah. yeah so she's very happy and they're they're bringing misery to life and see so he makes his move saying would you have dinner with me uh so they oh, uh, she's like oh my goodness yes she's all a flatter she is so he uh so they, they sit down, they have a special meatloaf. And, 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 uh, <laughs> what do you put in this meatloaf? She said, oh, I like, I, I just add a little bit of spam. <laughs> it's <that> tang. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever had meatloaf in America. I've been to America a couple of times. I don't think I've had meatloaf. I don't think it's a delicacy I'm over-enthusiastic to try. I've not had meatloaf, but I've sure as hell had spam. Oh, I've had a nice bit of spam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, defo. Although, I just I, said defo. I, know. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. But it is the first time we've said defo on the podcast. There we go. And the oh. last. <laughs> defo. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so the, so while, while she's away getting a romantic candle, he, he fills her wine up with uh, with all the pain medication he's been well, this is This is unbearable, this bit. <laughs> just, this is one of those scenes where I can take as much gore as you like, yeah. but... The, the the anxiety in me when he's filling up her glass of wine with with these pills yeah. um 
and then, then she clumsily knocks it over. Just yeah. that's it. I've got to leave the room. I know he's crushed because that, <laughs> yeah. that was a pretty good plan too. It was. It yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, but uh, but there we go. So the uh, he could just do it again, I suppose, couldn't he? He well, needs to get some more pills, I guess. But you know. Yeah, it does be good. But uh, then he'd have to yeah, trick Annie to eating with him again and, uh, and so on. And, uh, and Annie's getting completely, uh, increasingly unstable. Uh, I suppose we should mention, as the, as the side story to this, yeah. is uh, his agent has been calling around um, initially just a few days saying, I'm probably silly, but but he's gone missing. Could you find him? And yeah. she, um, she, she gets... Calls, she calls the local sheriff, didn't she? Yes, a wonderful character actor. Yeah. It's, it's Richard the, Farnsworth. Yeah, I'm not sure he's played anything else. Um, oh, uh, you know, he was he's in the, he's the lead actor in um, David Lynch's The Straight Story. Oh, is uh, he? Yeah, yeah. Which is oh. one of my absolute favourite films of all time, and I've, he's you know, brilliant in it. I've not seen it, but I did want to. Um, oh, you should! I, it's such a good film. It's 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 both very Lynchian and not very Lynchian. It's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh, fantastic! It is on the list to see. Um, but there we are. So he's uh, yeah he's uh, he's this you know aged and rather um, loose sheriff. It is yeah. like married to Francis Sternhagen, I think. In real life or in, uh, in no in the film. Oh, oh yeah, she's also in Outlander for uh, friends of our main pod. Oh, she is. Yes, um, she's a good actress too. Yeah, she she's is, a, yeah, a, a character actress. Yeah. yeah. So and they have a great rapport. Um, they do. This is where the humour of the film is actually. Isn't yeah. It? Um, because <laughs> there's a couple of things like, you think, like when they're driving around yeah. she's like uh, oh, can, we, can, we, can we pull over and fool around it's like yeah. you're not in this car you're not my wife you're my deputy this deputy would like to be under her bed sheets <laughs> with the sheriff yeah yeah. <laughs> and she keeps saying that he's having an affair and he's like I'm I'm, I'm honoured that you think I've got the energy to have an affair yeah and it's like uh, yeah have you, have, you, have you solved your missing person yet it's this spice that keeps our marriage alive <laughs> It's very sad what happens to Buster because I was I was I was really on the team Buster for the the couples, but um, well we we'll come I, I've got some thoughts on that as well, so yeah. we'll come to that. Yeah, but well, it's, well, that's it's a bit of a yeah. downer. But but as he's taking the notes from the agent, he's like, I'll I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get the author's name. I'll put it in our filing system. So yeah. he slaps a post-it note on a very busy <laughs> post-it board, and if he turns up, we'll we'll go we'll sort him out. Um, yeah. But Buster again, it, it's quite nice because all this, he's quite a good cop. He uh, yeah, he's he, he's a very it's that old film trope, isn't it, of the kind of the 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 local kind of he's a he's yoke he's a yokel, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. a bit a bit bumbling, but yeah. he's sharp. Yeah, and it doesn't look. It reminds. It's probably a bit like um, I don't know. It reminds me a bit of Monk or <laughs> yeah. Father Brown or something like that. Yeah. You know, just. just yeah. I, can't, yeah, I can't remember exactly how he introduced himself, but again, Lauren Bacall calls up saying, can I speak to your sheriff? He goes, yeah. well, I'm the sheriff. I'm also like the deputy fire marshal. And if you need yeah. a good fishing guide, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, he's he he spots the broken branch where the car had gone off the roads okay, mm. he, as they're trawling around. So he kind of follows it down. But unfortunately, the drifts are too thick. And he's an old man, so he falls over a couple of times. Yeah. And, and he basically gives up just as he was about to find the covered up yeah. car. So, ooh. But uh, by this point, again, after... Uh, again, Paul has been imprisoned for it seems like months. Um, the Thor has come in and they found the car and again yeah. pres- presumed him dead. And so uh, again, the, the the chief of police or whatever, played by J T. Uh, Walsh, Walsh. Yep, yeah. as of, of a few good men, so it gets yeah. a bigger part there. Uncredited, um, in this. uncredited, uh, but always recognisable. Yeah, uh, he basically basically got, got dragged away by a bear. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find him in the spring. <laughs> of what's left of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> because Buster has seen that, you know, bears don't use crowbars to rip open doors. Yeah, and uh, and he's, he's puzzling this out. And even buys all the misery books to kind of just get in the head of Paul Sheldon. See, uh, I don't care what he's hoping to find there, but uh, no. I think well, his, yeah, his wife is... His, his, 
<laughs> what do you expect to read about misery getting trapped in a cow and eaten by a bear? <laughs> it's that spice again. <laughs> but uh, he does find something, doesn't he? He does, yes. He makes a little note of something and it kind of sits in his brain until it comes to irrelevance. But, um, but yeah, so... Uh, he finds yeah. a little quote. He finds a quote in the book, which is... What is it now? It's, um, there is a justice higher than man. Yeah. I will be judged by him. That is true. And uh, and it kind of clocks because yeah, he sees... He's, the... he's seen it before. Yes, he has. It? So, yeah, because it's, he has he has read this book because it's, in the paper, it's been in the book of papers yeah, many years ago. He can't quite ago. put his finger on it, but he's, yeah. he, he recognises that, that particular quote, that particular yeah. statement in the book. And it comes to mind when, uh, again, uh, he sees Annie... Um, She's she's shouting at another driver. (laughs) Well, she's driving to the local store to get some more paper. And so she's slightly angry and annoyed because obviously Paul Sheldon hasn't appreciated the expensive paper. She almost crashes. (laughs) Yeah, almost crashes. And then something twigs in in Buster and he goes, hmm, I'm going to go to the library. Although given that this town is incredibly small, it's got a local shop that sells high grade paper (laughs) and what looks like a Harvard style huge library. Oh, you love those things. The days before the right. internet, it's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, he he basically yeah asks the store guy, you know, is 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 has Annie bought anything unusual? Not less papers unusual. Like, oh. um, but yes, yeah, so uh, yes, it's on. Uh, so Paul is com- can continuing to complete his work, and on his second excursion with the paperclip, he uh, he gets a bit more evidence. He finds uh, that Annie has a, a big scrapbook of Annie's memories, mm. which basically is the story of her life and lots of unexplained deaths. Yes. <laughs> Well, given given that she's kind of kept all her victims as souvenirs, because yeah. it starts off, I think her father died mysteriously, then her college uh, college roommate died mysteriously, then a, a large number of children at the hospital where she was a nurse and this kind yeah. of stuff. The angel and she, of death, they call it, didn't they? Yeah, and she was brought to trial, but in, in her trial, she said, there is a power higher than man, I will be judged by him. Yeah. Um, and that's the same newspaper that Buster is finding, and is like, oh, hang on. Yeah. Um, He's but, put two and two together and got yeah. four. But yeah, but, but as Paul has read this this scrapbook, uh, he's clearly very concerned now. Yeah. He decided to go go not not to poison her anymore because he could have got more drugs. He decides to be a bit more direct and uh, and grabs uh, grabs the knife. Yeah. If he well, wasn't nervous beforehand, now's a good time. Yeah, he grabs the big <laughs> kitchen knife. Yeah, uh, and he, and he and he goes back and he kind of practices whipping it out of his his sling, his arm, which arms in a sling as well. Because he's queen, he's, he's he's relatively healthy now. Yeah, I mean, in all things considered. Yeah, I mean, he's got good upper body strength because he's been practicing with the, the typewriter. Yeah. He's been doing these, you know, the the lifts. And he's been faking being weak, hasn't he, with Zanny? Yeah, he keeps he keeps popping his arm back in his sling, but the yeah. arm the arm is fine now, and the legs are pretty good, Nick, too, for well, the moment. For, yeah, for now, <laughs> <laughs> because then what happens is one of the probably the most memorable part in the film is that yeah. Annie. Um, what what triggered all this was Annie was just looking in the rain saying I'm feeling really blue she produces a gun saying sometimes I think about ending it all and then she goes away and pulls the well, she goes I'm going to put two bullets in this yeah and you're like <laughs> Paul Sheldon's looking at her like okay uh, <laughs> oh yeah so this is where he gets the knife and practices whipping out really quickly and stabbing yeah. Annie but of course she, she falls asleep well, no, it's because she, she she's by his his room, and it's a very Hitchcockian style. If he sees yeah. her shadow under the door, yeah. and thinking, "Here we go," but she then walks away back to bed. So he thinks, "Okay, I'll do it tomorrow." So he tucks his knife underneath the uh, underneath the bed, the the pillows. I don't know why he was thinking because you would spot the enormous kitchen knife missing from your kitchen. 
but yeah, um, you would. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've never tried to assassinate someone with a knife before. So maybe, <laughs> maybe given, given that she notices the penguin the wrong way round, she's this going was, to notice a massive kitchen knife missing. This is what revealed because he wakes up the next morning and he's tied down to the bed and his knife yeah. is missing and Annie has clocked everything. She knew he'd escaped already because the penguin was placed the wrong way. Of course, the penguin was. You don't place a penguin facing no, you. Don't. Silly, foolish, Paul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she knew he could get out. She didn't know how, but she found his little bobby pin, which she was picking the lock with. Mm. And she got his knife and she knew he'd been in his scrapbook too. Um, he's also seen the misery shrine. She has a nice little shrine to all the misery books too. But uh, so, yeah, so he's in trouble now because she's clocked everything. And but she wants him to finish the book. Uh, so she's thinking, I'm not going to kill you or hurt you, but I need to, you know, incapacitate you. Here's something I learned from the South African slave mines. <laughs> they used to hobble their, sl- their, their diamond workers. Oh, it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, so she puts a, a block of wood between his two le- his two legs and just gets a sledgehammer out. And, and you see it as well. You see the first one. The second, they don't the do it twice. Yeah. No, you do she, see the first one. Though. It's oh. very grim. I think that's what gives. That's the eighteen. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It's that one scene. She she thwacks his foot, it, <laughs> almost off. And <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, she does the same to the other one. So, oh my goodness, he is in some immense pain here. Um, and He's hobbled. He's hobbled, as she said, but then he's back in the wheelchair and off writing his mystery books. He's got two, hasn't he? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, but then uh, it's as... now become a bit of a suicide pact now, though, hasn't it? I think he realizes, yeah, that when, when misery, this misery book is over, it's kind of it's the gift to the world before they before they leave it. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, Buster, who is now getting put two together as well, and arrived at Annie's door. Annie obviously knows she can't have a prisoner in her room, so she jabs uh, Paul with a, with a sedative, throws him in her basement, and uh, and pretends to be all nice to Buster as he wanders around. And it's all very fine. And uh, they have, you know, Buster's doing that Columbo thing where he sees more than he's seeing, but it yeah. all seems quite normal. Um, and actually, there was a funny moment when Buster wants to sneak around the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so, but Annie doesn't want to leave him out of his sight, but she has to duck in the kitchen, yeah. and he ducks back into the hall, and she pops back again. And it's the, 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 <laughs> and like, oh, yes, yeah, like, will you just go make a cup of tea while I just yeah. let me? Yeah. Well, that's why even in some of its darkest moments, there is a bit of he- there's quite a lot of humour in the film. Yeah, yeah. But again, Buster is sent away, and he's okay. But then, yeah, fatally, Paul recovers. He wakes up, and, doesn't he? He wakes up and manages to knock over the barbecue to make a big clatter, so that Paul dis- uh, Buster comes back in and discovers the hidden door where he was stashed away. And just yeah. as he looks down the, to the basement, he goes, Paul, Paul. Yeah. And then Poof! there you go. He's, he's shotgun, shotgun through the heart by Annie. Um, that's the end of Buster. That's the end of Buster. And Annie's worked out now by, you know, killing the local sheriff. Their time is up. So she's yep. got, she's got a revolver to kill them. But uh, Paul thinking very fast, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, well done, Paul. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the writer in him, isn't it? Oh, well, there you go. Yes, it is. Uh, he's, he says, look, we, we, yes, he actually says, I love you. That's that. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. And he that says, kind of I, takes her off guard a little bit. Yeah. He's not, he's on the front foot now. He says he loves Annie, but we've got to finish misery. And he's, yeah. you know, there's a few more pages to go and we're done. Yeah, he uh, says, I agree with you. This will be a suicide pact, basically. But yeah, yeah. we've got to finish. We've got to do it right. Yeah. And, and as she, and as she uh, goes to fetch him, he hides a, a can of lighter fluid in his pocket yeah. and, uh, and, and he's back. He finishes, he, he finishes the manuscript and he's going back and forth and he goes, Oh, we need, what, what do we need to finish it? And she goes, Oh, we need a champagne, Dom Perrigan on uh, <laughs> a cigarette and uh, and a match and uh, and so she gets all this stuff and as she and as she leaves it all there he goes we need two glasses of, of champagne yeah. and so she runs off again at which point paul throws the manuscript on the floor douses it in lighter fuel and uh, and and basically yes makes strikes a match and tells annie this is it this is everything this is misery it, it reveals her back to life it says all her secrets yeah. it's it's, it's, it's all here. Want. 
It's all here, Vumpf, and it goes up in flames. Annie, she's obviously in, she goes bonkers. Yeah, falls on the floor trying to smother the flames. At yeah. which point, Paul bonks her with a typewriter, <laughs> and, yeah. and then, and then uh, smothers her with the uh, the burnt ashes. Well, they both just go at it. They, yeah, he, they he can't walk. She's concussed with a typewriter, <laughs> and they're just tearing into each other. He's trying to he's trying to yeah, stuff the papers in her mouth. She kicks his legs away. She <laughs> and it's it's quite a good left. fight actually because it, it, it's it's quite um it's it's a bit rubbish. Yes, isn't it yeah. you know that it's not the fight's basically a bit rubbish it's someone but who's incapacitated yeah it's desperate yeah. yeah someone's incapacitated the other one is is insane it's as yeah. you might expect it to be yeah but they're both yeah, going for it yeah. for, the, for their very lives uh, at which point paul grabs a pig styled metal doorstop and yeah. bashes annie to the face and that's it so that's she's it. dead yeah um, and 18 months later paul with uh just walking a bit bandy but on his feet now uh, goes and has uh, lunch with his agent uh, with his new misery novel, which is what not the it? one he wrote. No. What is it called? The Higher Education of John Franklin or something ridiculously boring like that. It, do, it does It does sound like the kind of thing would win <laughs> prizes. Yeah, it does. The Higher Education of John... What? Oh, a yawn fest. I know. If it had been called How I Was Kept Prisoner by a Mad Woman uh, and made yeah, write a novel who <laughs> smashed my feet off, <laughs> I'd be all over that. Yeah. Oh, no. Two feet from hell, you'd call it. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, but he, but he's, you know, then he's all happy. Basically, he's getting everything he ever wanted. His agent says, you know, it's going to make a fortune. There are people going to talk about prizes. You're yeah. finally a real novelist. He's not completely overjoyed because he's basically traumatized. Yeah, and he said, uh, basically, I, I, I've become this because of Annie Wilkes. Yeah, and uh, and then a waitress comes over saying, well, I'm your number one fan. And Paul Caesar as Annie Wilkes with yeah. a big carving knife to do his pudding and this kind of stuff. And he's like, that's lovely. And that's the yeah. end of the film. It is. It is. Very good. Nicely done. Not too long. 35 minutes. 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the film isn't that long. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> There's almost no plot in the film as well. It's, you know, it's a two-hander. It is. It is. It's, uh, and it's wonderful for that. I love a two-hander. Yeah. But we'll, we'll oh, come into too. that. We'll, let's let's, let's Let's dive uh, feet first. Sorry, Paul. Uh, st- <laughs> straight into it uh, as we come back to look at the themes and uh, again, how it fits into the Rob Reiner canon. Welcome back, dear listener. Yes, uh, the Rob Reiner fest continues um, and uh, he was just walked us <laughs> through, hobbled us through, um, wheeled us through, wheeled us through the uh, synopsis of, of of misery um i suppose we you know let, let's let's crack on let's get yeah. right into it let's Although, think about some of the themes how does yeah. this fit in with rob reiner's oeuvre etc etc yeah. before we do that i'll, oh, I'll yeah. just point out for the convenience of our listeners that uh, i am uh, i'm laboring under a heavy head cold so uh, if i sound at least 70 percent sexier it's because of that 17 <laughs> percent i think so it's uh, my, my voice has dropped to a to a nice octave i'm, I'm mariella frostropping it here I'd say 25 at least. Here. Oh, you. <laughs> but of course, I had to record, given that you know, you, you've you actually recorded episodes post-stroke. The bar for this is very high. In terms it of, is, yeah. In terms of, yeah. Exactly. In I terms have, of when yeah. it's appropriate to cancel an episode. It's Within like a, a week of having a stroke, I recorded a weekend at, a weekend at Crombie's yeah. podcast. So having the sniffles really is no excuse <laughs> whatsoever. It's what, you know what? It's what pulled me through. Pulled me through the knowledge that we were going to talk about. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I don't, who knows what it would have been that week? Practical that magic that or something. Away from the white light. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We've, got, we've got to do the practical magic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Our twelve listeners depend on us. <laughs> it's not my time. It's not my time, God. <laughs> 
notwithstanding, let's no. let's jump into, into the the Rob Reiner <laughs> thing. I mean, interestingly, um, even though again he didn't do a horror film, you know, the closest he's come is a bit of action adventure in um, in The Princess Bride. Yeah. It, this is kind of um, the closest it's come to like a, a not a sequel but a sequential one in that it existed because of Stand by Me. And, um, yes, that's right. I, I think yeah. Stephen King was very reluctant to sell Misery, yeah. but once he'd seen Stand by Me, he said, "I'll, I'll sell it, but I want Rob Reiner either as yeah. the director or the producer because he can do my stuff." Absolutely, and this is uh, Misery is what Stephen King considers to be one of the best adaptations of one of his novels, and I think I think Stephen King novels tend to be a bit hit and miss. Uh, I don't mean the novels themselves, but I mean yeah. the, the adaptations. Absolutely. It may, it may the short stories are better, make better yeah. because the director is allowed to make them more into their own. But um, Absolutely, yeah. But hey, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a better Stephen King, like, really successful novel. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, Stand By Me is probably another one, but that's... Wasn't that a short story? That's though, a short story, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. And again, um, The Shawshank Redemption was a short story. Yeah, um, The Green Mile was a short story. I suppose The Shining... But then yeah, that, The Shining. Yeah, yeah, but that's probably the most... But he hated it. <laughs> he absolutely yeah. hated it. Yeah, because that, that was kind of Kubrick, wasn't it? It became, it was, it became Kubrick's vision rather than Stephen King's novel. Yeah, it, yeah, that, that's true. Well, I think and, if, we, if we're learning anything about Rob Reiner, he is a very faithful adapter of works. Again, looking absolutely at, in well, terms I, of just their spirit as much as their their. Yeah, well, I think I think probably why. I mean, this is me. I don't know, conjecturing a little bit, but I think one of the reasons why Rob Reiner works quite well with Stephen King novels certainly the two that we, we've, we've seen here but he also produced Dolores Claiborne um and the um television um adaptation of The Stand as well so yeah. he didn't direct them but he's he's had involvements in quite a lot of Stephen King novels uh, adaptations and also you know his production company Castle Rock is named after the town in Maine where a lot of the Stephen King novels are set ah. so they have a lot in common and I, I think the reason why is because I think Rob Reiner and Stephen King are both really good storytellers. Um, so I don't know what you think of Stephen King, but I I tend to find, I, t I tend to think I'm a bit sniffy about Stephen King until I start reading one of his novels. And then I'm <laughs> absolutely hooked. <laughs> yeah. So I never I never go out thinking, oh, the, the latest Stephen King is out. I really want to read that. I really want to read Pet Cemetery or something like that. But I've read Pet Cemetery, and you know what? It was absolutely barnstorming. Um, so, you know, I'd, some... I'd agree with you. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King. I've actually read more of his short stories because I quite like the way he he rattles through uh, little ideas and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they're 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 always good. To be honest, Stephen King writes faster than I can read, so I can't. I can, I can never <laughs> yeah, keep yeah. up. There's, there, there's, there's always down. there's always a new Stephen King novel to That's read, it, isn't it? Yeah, the, the completionist in me just bulked the idea of reading Stephen King. Yeah. So I know I'll go to my grave having never read all the Stephen Kings. Yeah, it's true. But I, but I suppose the thing is, I just think he's a, a little bit like Rob Reiner in the sense that it, he he there's he hasn't perhaps an unfair reputation of being a bit of a a bit workmanlike in 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 his stories and i think rob reiner is similar in the context of his films as well in the sense yeah. that you know can you tell what a rob reiner film is but i think they're both just really good storytellers and what works in misery really well in the same way that it worked in stand by me as well is that stephen king is really good at the the mundane and the the minutiae of everyday life. I mean, to the extent that sometimes it's a bit much. Some of his books, you know, like a thousand pages long, and they describe in great detail the, the intricacies of um, local townspeople, right? But Misery has a lot of that in it. Um, and I, I think it works really well because of that. You've got Rob Reiner's, he, he, I think he, he's a bit of a cipher, isn't he? He, he doesn't 
he doesn't stamp his own vision on the films. Yeah. He he represents what the story is very well. And Stephen King in Misery um, and in Stand By Me writes films about characters. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that that's why it works. Yeah, because apparently uh, Rob Reiner, again, I mentioned the uh, the fact that he, he sees uh, Annie Wilkes' shadow beneath the door in a very mm. Hitchcockian style. And again, there was other, other kind of low angle shots that are reminiscent of Hitchcock. And that was because Rob Reiner was, was patterning some of the, the style on Hitchcock because yeah, that's course. what the film requires. It, 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 yeah. it, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's almost like a rear window uh, yeah, is, type, it? type yeah. thriller. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's that deep psycho, psycho thriller type element. Yeah. Yeah, 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 psycho as well. Yeah. And if you kind of put the ego aside and make it a, a kind of Rob Reiner flourish, he wanted to tell a really good horror horror thriller story, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it's a, it's a psychological thriller, isn't it? It, it? With elements of horror in it. I, I, it's a difficult it's a difficult one to label because it's not really a full blown horror film, but it's certainly horrific in parts. Um, yeah. And the character, the you know, the um, Buster character is, I think, a really, a really sympathetic but very Stephen King-esque character as oh, well yeah, yeah. you know the characters like him are, are populated in all of his novels um and that 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 role is translated really well in Misery too um so I think just like they, they obviously have some kind of they're simpatico aren't they uh in their styles different mediums but very very cleverly kind of interlinked with each other in the way that they kind of see the world i suppose really which is which is why it works why it works for me anyway i think it, i think in that regard it's really a really well done film again it's one of those films that it you, you're right in a sense it, it homages hitchcock in in the way that brian de palma often homages hitchcock as well but yeah. the difference is i think that de palma and i mean this in a good way because i like i like de palma's films he's too much of an egotist um and he, he often gets in the way of you know, he, he takes the Hitchcockian tropes to the extreme, yeah. In not as a homage, almost as a pastiche, really. Whereas Rob Reiner is doing it for the benefit of the story. He's yes, doing it yeah. simply because that's how you would tell a good story in this context. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that's why I think in all of the films that we've seen of his, you know, you know, we, we will have gone through them all at various points. But this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand by Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and The Few Good Men. I don't think, I think I don't think there's anything in any of those thing, thing in any of those films that really makes you go. That's a Rob. That's a Reinerian flourish, yeah. you know. That that's 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 um, quintessentially Reinerian, right? There isn't yeah. anything yeah. there. There's nothing. It, it's it's just he seems to ha- he seems to have around him good craftspeople wanting to make a rip roaring story. And in here you've got William Goldman, who also wrote um, the Princess Bride. Um, he was he 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 did the screen adaptation to Misery, oh, and he really? he also wrote the novel of the Princess Bride and adapted ah. that screen. So you've got that kind of connection. You've got the cinematographer was Barry Sonnenfeld, who went on to oh. direct, I think, The Adams Family. Um, so you know, g- good chops, you know, good, um, yeah. good g- good kind of you know um, heritage in the film. So they're good craftspeople working at the top of their game, not for any. Almost feels like it's not for any personal gain. They're just trying to make a really good story work for screen that's like great i I don't think there's anything profound about misery it's just entertaining yeah yeah i'm I'm thinking is this if we just not get movies like this nowadays because again apart from you know the the dominance of the franchise Mm. you'd either get you either get the dominance of the franchise or the the auteur director so you'd get like the tarantino movie or the um 
again the uh well i'm thinking of the martin scorsese movies like it's the, the director is doing that it's got movie. well it's got to be something hasn't yeah, it yeah yeah or you get the the you know just the, the big franchise movies um, churning out you know, the yeah. next big temple yeah i mean the closest i can think of is something like knives out which was which but, again yeah. was, was so refreshing everyone kept on board with it thinking oh this is marvelous but if that almost has a feel of it's, it's old-fashioned almost it's, it's a good story with good actors yeah by a good director that's yeah. it there yeah you go. enjoy and it doesn't need to be anything else does it? it doesn't need to be more it doesn't need to be um postmodern although i suppose in some respects it was postmodern <laughs> yeah, because it was harking back to its to kind of um a more traditional uh, old-fashioned view of things yeah. but you know i don't know but there's nothing yeah i agree M- misery is an example of film that i think you'd be hard-pressed to find made now yeah um because it would have to be more horrific or have oh. more subtext i think yeah i think so because like, otherwise misery would end up what's being... the point what was misery the point like of that a, film? Yeah, Misery would be like being a MAGA supporter and uh, this kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah, like, yeah. Although you, there is you, a little bit in it where you see in her scrapbook um, a, a, a Nixon um, flag. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. you see that. But it's a very subtle thing. I mean, of course she's a Nixon supporter. You yeah. know? <laughs> but it's not mentioned in any ways. Yeah, you're right, yeah. though. She, she, would, she would have... Her, her political leanings would be more heightened. It would be more violent. Yeah. Um, it, would be, it would be saying something about something... But not saying it. Yeah. And I don't think this is doing any of that. It's just the story of Paul Sheldon and Annie Wilkes in, in this two hand. It's just it's just really good. Yeah, yeah. But Speaking in that in that regard, it's probably yeah. not it's it's not earth shattering. It's not profound. It doesn't change the face of cinema, but it's just yeah. a good job well done. And, and that's Rob Reiner. Yeah, and again, anyone who's seen it will remember it and yeah, will will really probably you know enjoy his hard word. But um will 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 have been thrilled by it i guess or will or be moved by it absolutely yeah uh, absolutely and yeah but um well, let's come to this again if you spot a rhinarian flourish i'm now thinking it's you know it's it's the most two-hander of all the movies we've had um but yes there's a lot of that in rob reiner's stuff you're thinking about the sure thing harry met sally yeah um even something said a few good men and this kind of stuff there's a lot of, of again interplay between two characters well um, yeah you're right actually that's, and, that's a good point yeah yeah and this kind of whole thing he works with the good actors and gets good performances yeah. from them yeah but it's almost like this could be you know the, the car driving scene for harry met sally if <laughs> it, it could lasted be. 100 minutes yeah it could be couldn't it that's right there is something that he does tend to lend himself towards those um relationship movies to a certain extent aren't they actually yeah. i mean this this is a this is a um a, a volatile <laughs> and negative relationship but you know the a few good men is almost about the relationship between tom cruise and J- jack nicholson isn't it yeah, um yeah. you know misery is is kathy bates and james Gunn. when harry say obviously the princess bride um is that kind of central love story stand by me is there's more than one there's more than two characters but it is still about friendship and relationships isn't it spinal yeah. tap as well it's about the band and the short yeah. thing obviously is about growing pains and that so yeah it his 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 filmography is is filled with um microcosms i suppose you know uh, about how people interact with each other so uh, what by that i mean what do i mean by that so i mean if you look at them at face value, they're small films about small people, you know, dealing with local issues, I guess, it, from their own kind of emotional perspectives. Yeah. But when you stand back a little bit, they're dealing with the human condition to a certain extent, aren't they? How yeah, people yeah. interact with each other and what that means. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's, um... So 
in in that regard, I think maybe there is a Reinerian flourish there. I don't know, but um, yeah. again, he, he, he began as an actor, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, he was in. I think he was in Taxi. You know, the sitcom okay. Taxi. I think. Oh, okay. But, yes, possibly. Yeah. So it's yeah. not huge surprising that he's again, like say, an actor's director. No, absolutely. Um, and his dad as well is a famous yeah. film director as well, you know, Carl Reiner. Oh, of course, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, of so, the later of, uh, of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I suppose it's also, yeah, it's not... Um, so, again, we, we mentioned an earlier recording, again, when you say actors directed, normally you, you mean a different thing, and that actors, you know, get hours and hours to mm-hmm. to, to do soliloquies and this kind of stuff. And he doesn't do that. He's, you know, very tight with the uh, the edits and, um, and yeah, get, getting the story on and keeping it tight. But, I mean, the actors all get... They're all shining in all his movies. There's them. Yeah, absolutely. They are they are the stars of the movies. Yeah. So again, it's it's good acting, a good script, um, and it's tightly paced. There's no chat. I don't. It's not a lot of chaff in Reiner films, is there? Oh, right. Glorious. You know, 107 minutes. Misery was. Yeah, 107 minutes. And it, uh, you know, although there's not a lot of plot in it, there's a lot of character in it, yeah, isn't there? Yeah. You know, A Few Good Men is probably his longest film that we've seen anyway, and that was two hours and fifteen. But that covers a much broader spectrum. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of pitter patter of the kind of connection between them. But yeah, they're all. I mean, Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand by Me, Princess Bride, and When Harry Met Sally are all around the 90-minute mark. Misery is 107 minutes, and A Few Good Men is just over two hours. We're talking someone who can churn out a good film without any shoe leather. Yep, those are the yep. days. <laughs> oh, honestly, the, yeah, give me give me more 90-minute films um, that are complete, self-contained, have a start and an end. Just look, what's wrong with that? <laughs> because we've done well, they're brilliant. Yeah, yeah, They're absolutely brilliant. Um, I wanted to kind of raise the the, the um, there's a couple of things in the film which I think it, I, I want you to kind of talk about in a little bit more detail because for me there's 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 one scene in the film which is very well known the, the hobbling scene as Ooh, it were which yes. is obviously it's quite a visceral scene in that regard but um, w- and I think for me it's not the most disturbing scene in the film the, the, the toughest scene in the film I think is when Buster gets shot. Yeah. Um, and, and because I think a lot of the time, you know, you can take that visceral grotesquerie, the 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 extreme interpersonal violence for what it is. You know, it's there to shock. But um, what's really shocking is that the film spends quite a lot of time building up the character of Buster so that you really engage with him and you really you want to be around him. He's a nice character, but he's also good at his job. Yeah. Um and when he's killed off, that's a sucker punch for me. It's another example of what Stephen King does in a lot of his novels. He kills off good characters. And by good, I mean wholesome, nice, the people that you want to survive. He kills them off. <laughs> and so King has this really weird thing in his novels where he's he can describe the homely nature of the surroundings and the environment, the the mundane nature of um, you know rural life or um, you know um, quiet living and then there's a brutality in his novels as well yeah. which is sometimes extreme violence and other times heart-wrenching heartbreak right yeah. and um, I'm glad that I'm, I'm kind of glad it's in the film because it's it's symptomatic of King's writing and I'm glad that Reiner put it in but for me that's the that's the hardest bit of the film because you know I knew it was coming but I haven't seen Misery for so long that when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, he gets shot, doesn't he? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the hobbling scene is grim. Don't get me yeah. wrong. And it's, it's like, you know, watching it through your fingers. Yeah. But that's almost built up in your head. I know that scene is coming. And yeah. it, to a yeah. certain extent, when you watch it, it's probably not as bad as your imagination. Yeah. Is it? But but the buster scene, that 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 yeah. 
that hurts. But, but, that, but that needed to be there again. It, it, of course it did. It, yeah. It, it, and we're glad it didn't. It didn't get sentimental and pull that punch because Buster, Buster needs to die to drive you into the final act. Absolutely. And it, yeah. It, yeah. I, I hated it too. But it, it, it. If it hadn't happened, it would be like, oh, you, you cheaped out there. You thought we'd like Buster, so let's have him alive at the end. And, you yeah, know, absolutely. See, yeah. It's, it's sharing it, a beer with Paul at the very end. Ooh, yeah. Out. You don't want that, do you? That's yeah. not the film, is it? That isn't the film. Yeah. There's a hard edge to the film, yeah. and that's why you know, much like um, Annie's soliloquy in the film where she talks about standing up in front of the other children at the uh, at the flicks talking about um how things shouldn't happen yeah. this film has a logical consistency to it yes so which i admire and obviously that's a big you know films without that i just lose interest in because they cheat you i think whereas yeah. this doesn't well, speaking of actually the uh, the hobbling scene and changes to the movie again in the original mm. book, yeah, Paul wasn't hobbled; yeah. he had his foot chopped off and yeah. <laughs> cauterized with a blowtorch. Yeah, um, I know. But, al- but also in the uh, in the book, he didn't destroy his manuscript; he put a pile of empty pages and just the top cover on it that he put. <laughs> uh, and it's funny that in, so therefore when when he defeated Annie Wilkes, he still had the novel he'd been forced to write. Uh, and it's funny that in King's mind, it's okay to lose a foot, but you can't burn a novel. Yeah, you can't burn a novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's his gauge of how Paul will escape through this horrible situation. He's got one foot, but he's got his novel. Oh no! Well, uh, but it's I'm... interesting also that again the decision to to do the not chop the foot off and hobble. I think the idea was he didn't want Paul to be maimed permanently by this. Even though if it's eighteen months later and he's walking with a cane, he's yeah, still he's still maimed. He's still he? yeah. But also I think much better because we can all imagine breaking an ankle that's 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 a fear yeah. we've had an experience about turning an ankle and this kind of stuff yeah. so we know what that's like so when that happens it's like oh my god i feel that nobody knows what it's like to, well not many people know what it's like to have a foot chopped off not really so, no so you, it's don't, true, you don't isn't it? you don't viscerally feel it in the same way so it was a wise decision to pull it back because it, it's yeah. worse it's much worse it's, it is worse because i think yeah the amputation would be clinical wouldn't it yeah, yeah. it would be clinical and it whereas the the hobbling is very visceral it's yeah it's 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 gut-wrenching isn't it it's grim. Yeah. which le- i suppose which leads me to kathy bates's performance which is quite yes. iconic in this film and it was it, it might not have been her first film but she wasn't very well known at the time no she was all. a theater actress wasn't she? she was a theater actress yeah and she was um she she again you know did well in the in the um in the audition i guess really and um and was given the part but she absolutely owns the part but what what i particularly like about her performance here is that she um she's she's so convincing because she doesn't overdo it i think and that, i think it's really hard i know that there are scenes in the film where she does go you know batshit basically yeah but but they're interspersed with moments which might be described as relatively normal and even in those moments of complete insanity she it's presented as she's she's lost it r- rather than doing anything massively weird if, if that makes sense i mean it is weird it's odd but it's i, I just think she, she she as odd as this sounds she she manages to be able to show the extremity of her madness whilst reining it in at the same time and i think yeah. it must be a really difficult role to play because she does it superbly and there's a scene when you know when it's raining and she feels she's depressed which gives a completely different side and yeah. i think it's really clever and she's she's fantastic in this yeah, and again, she's not like dancing around the house in a misery costume. No, <laughs> so, no she's not. No, and again, no. And also, she she basically has that one bedroom to work with. Again, they they mentioned they spent the entire shoot in that one bedroom, and the 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 scenes when Paul escapes in a, in a wheelchair, mm. the cast, the crew was so excited because they got to film something different. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, she has to work in that confines with without many props or much or much to work with other than her acting. And uh, yeah, and I and, suppose her her theatre background really shows there, doesn't it? Yeah, but to, yeah, to get across 
you know, you, know, you start off. She's a bit ditzy. She doesn't really swear. She, you know, the way she comes is, oh poo, I've done this. But we and, know and, we've, and, and we've all met people like that, haven't we? Exactly. She's yeah. she's she's a bit silly and a bit odd, but nothing out of out of the ordinary. And you're right. Even when she gets angry and furiously angry and and psychopathically angry, it's all to a common thread. You can trace it back. To the the, fact there's she, there's a rationality to her action. It might not yeah. be your rationality but you yeah. can you can thread it back to a point isn't it it's not it's not um it's not random yeah i mean the whole the whole the very first thing when you lose a temper is going look what you made me do yeah that's that's kind of the calling card of like an abusive uh, it is, spouse yeah. or whatever yeah. and and you think that's a problem and then it carries on thinking oh yeah this is where it goes yeah. uh when you have somebody who's basically yeah completely within her power um and, and yeah, and, and to, who, it's it's a very interesting dynamic actually. And I imagine again because Kathy Kathy uh, Kathy Bates, yeah, I could yeah. do that a lot. <laughs> Kathy Bates because she won the Oscar for this. And again, yeah. this is going to be, as they say, the first line of her obituary because this this is this is the role which will this, her legacy, if Absolutely, you like. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, she's done a lot of other good things as well. I was going to say, I, I pref- there are some roles I've seen her in that I prefer her in, like in uh, Dolores Claiborne, which yes. apparently was written, inspired it's, by, it, yeah, absolutely. by Stephen was, King for this. Yeah. I think is a better performance from her. And it was a oh, better really? Sp- yeah, I really enjoyed Dolores Claiborne. Yeah. I, think it's I, great... I like it as well. I think it's yeah. really good. I think it's really yeah. good. I, I think this is iconic, though, this film. It's, yeah, it's, I say it's... better. I mean, it's, I, I, the, because this has, has been so stamped in now, you look yeah. for the, other things that are different. Um, so I enjoyed, enjoyed watching with Dolores Claiborne doing this. Um, which is imagine, against... I mean, imagine being an actor and having a role that you have made you know, do you know what I mean? That, that becomes part of the kind of cultural zeitgeist. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. Because this has been parodied and referenced and everything. And, and rightly so, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it is very good. Again, it's... Uh, and I suppose we come back to the thing of the, the, the person who did it first, because, you know, they'd had psychos before, literally in Psycho. You've had you've had people who yeah. are crazy and people who are killers. Again, the, the idea of, of this kind of nurturer killer... Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it does feel new. It feels like you've never had a villain quite like this villain. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, again, I think if it was done now, it it would be over the top. Yeah. And so there's a it reins it back just enough for it to be stressful, yeah. and then releases it at the point where you need it to be more visceral. And I think that's really really clever. But you're, you're right. Yeah. It, it this this yeah the nurture killer here. It's it's definitely an unusual. It's definitely an unusual one, and of course the setting, and the the you know the plot contrivances really I guess of the blizzard and all this kind of stuff as well, and the fact that he's a writer, it, all of that put together means that it doesn't need much of a plot to create all of the ingredients for a very stressful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, hundred eight, hundred seven, hundred eight minutes, right? Because yeah. it is quite stressful, you know. It, I, seen this umpteen times but again i hadn't seen it for a while but i've seen it a lot and it still has the power to make me squirm a little bit yeah and again uh i, was, I think i was talking about james come right on the track mm. he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for this because again he there's two of them in the scene and he does a great job of like i say he's very passive he and, is passive yeah and, and he needs to be doesn't he yeah because again if, if he was again if bruce willis was in the bed you know yeah. the idea is just overpower and get out of there he He's he's thrown. He's in pain. He's he's trying to accommodate. He's submissive and, though, as well, isn't he? Because he, yeah. he feels he needs to be. Yeah, and it, but he again he he, in addition to all that, he's completely under Annie's power uh, in the sense of she she has physical power over him, so he has to kind of you know 
Count of Monte Cristo is way out of it. He has, he to, does, yeah. he has to. He has to be, you know, inventive and quick on his feet, yeah. so to speak. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, has to, he has to improvise and do all this kind of stuff to get out alive. And that's his goal: is to get out alive. So he, everything he's thinking of is, how do I turn this to my advantage? How can I? Can, if he has to write the novel, he'll do it. But he'll he'll exercise with his arms to make sure he's strong. Yeah. And he's he might have this plan at the end to do this anyway. But he's he. So you'd be thinking, you know, oh, he, she knows I have the cigarette and the match and everything, and I, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. So she, yeah, he uses it, and that, I think that's that's his that's his writer um, psyche, isn't it? That's where yeah. that is really good. I mean, I, I did read somewhere that um, that part was offered to Warren Beatty, um, <laughs> who who accepted it, but wanted um, the Sheldon role to be more aggressive and assertive, yeah. and. Because um, William Goldman and Rob Reiner wouldn't allow that, they wanted a more passive character. He pulled out, yeah. um, and James Caan took it. And it's an interesting casting decision as well, because James Caan isn't, you know, he's quite an explosive character actor as well, you know. So yeah. it's 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 almost he's 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 being cast against type a little bit, but I think it works really well. I, I agree. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves in this film because. Kathy Bates's performance again you know, is, is overshadows everything else in the film, but it because it is a genuine two-hander. She needs um, Paul Sheldon the way he is for her to flourish. I yeah, think, yeah, as well, you know. So that, that's why that that's very clever and works really well. There we are. Uh, I mean, you know, cost twenty million dollars, um, quite a lot for what is effectively, uh, you know, just a few. A few sets. Um, <laughs> it's probably not even a. I mean, I would imagine that the the the, the scenes in the house were, were on a set. Um, pig Wrangler. But yeah, but yeah, he's Pig Wrangler. That's right. Yeah, JT oh, Walsh's um, fee. That's about <laughs> it, really, isn't it? I mean, Kathy Bates wouldn't have cost much. She was barely known. James Khan might have taken a lot of the the fee, I guess. But you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure where the twenty million dollars went. But it made sixty million, which doesn't sound a huge amount. But when you consider that, given that it was an R-rated film. It yeah. basically cut out most of the population, <laughs> so that's why R-rated films don't make a lot of money because most people can't see them. You can't take the family. I was funny if I was I was trying to explain, uh, yeah, to my my kids who were going through the uh, the Jurassic series at the moment. Yeah. Um, why why Jurassic Park by far the scariest of all of them is oh, a PG, easy. and the other ones are like 50, they're like twelve A's yeah. or whatever. And the first I had to explain twelve A didn't exist back then. They invented yeah. it to give Batman a, a clear clear run, but also it's like yeah the um, they 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 will they will do their utmost to get that PG because mum and dad go they take their kids that's yeah, four exactly. tickets rather that's than it. one yes yeah, four tickets rather than one yeah so um, the fact that it made sixty one million dollars at the box office that's individual people it is yes. it's not a date yeah. movie <laughs> it's not a date movie you're right so as I say it's one of the most successful R rated films in history yeah. um, I think I can't remember the most successful is Last Tango in Paris oh, of course it is yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mind you, that said, I think again, by now, I don't think it's an eighteen. There's the hobbling scene, but it's it's not an eighteen. I mean, well, well, I think without the hobbling scene, it's not an eighteen. But I think with the hobbling scene, it's an eighteen. Oh, just going, just sitting out, go through me, okay? Yeah, and and again, I think if they don't show the hobbling scene, but yeah, they, I think if he's hobbled, but you don't see it, it's yeah. not an eighteen. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that you see that one leg, that one ankle go. Yeah, yeah. You don't even see both. You just, no, you just see one. But, pain but on Paul's face. That, that's the 18. And actually, I think, again, you've got to give the filmmakers credit for that because it it would have been so easy just to take that out, just to cut yeah. that. And yeah, just, yeah. You know, he could still be hobbled, but you just don't see it. Yeah. The fact they kept that in 
you know, fair play. <laughs> yeah, I think I read the anecdote of uh, when, because James Khan obviously didn't have his real ankle broken, so he hadn't seen what it looked like until yeah. the final cut. But when he saw it on the screen, he like leaned over to Rob Brydon and goes, you're a sick son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't want the film to be remembered for that scene because it's a lot more than that. But it is. It is for that scene. But to be honest, there are probably lots of scene, there are lots of films that have horrific things in it. It's remembered for that scene because of the psychological buildup, because yeah, true. Of, of that, you know, the, for the past hour, he's been in the power of someone who's supposed <laughs> to be his nurse and is increasingly becoming frenzied yeah. towards him. Yeah. And that, you know, that hobbling thing is, is preceded by a, we think he's going to get away because he's got a plan. He's got his knife and everything. Mm. So it's, it's the all is lost at the moment. He's, his plans have gone to naught. He's 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 failed to drug Annie. He's lost his knife. He's lost his lockpick. Mm. She's explained she's completely onto him. She knows all his plans and all that stuff. She's helped got him. And then she's going to break his legs, having just healed them. And it's him. And then he's pleading with Annie, saying, "Annie, please don't do this. Please, please, God, don't yeah. do this." Whatever and, you. And, he, he, yeah. What's the quote? What's the quote? He says. Yeah. He says, um, "Annie, whatever you're thinking about doing, please don't do it." Yeah, because you could be doing anything by that point. Because she just said, yeah. "I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cripple you, but I'm going to still make keep you in my power." Oh, so she, yeah. and it's all that. And to be honest, it's that plus the the crack of the ankle is yeah. what makes it so horrific. Oh. It's not. It's not just the crack of the ankle. It's everything leading up to that moment. It's like, oh, this is absolutely because you're terrified with him. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are. And I think it's one of those things where you, I wish, I wish I could watch the film for the first time again to yeah. know what. I would really feel about it because I can't really remember the first time I watched it. Yeah. You know, I can only remember the scene and knowing the scene. And so I can't, I, can't, I just, I, I wish I knew what it was like having not seen the film before yeah. and remember what that would feel like. Cause I'd imagine, I mean, obviously stuck in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks in yeah. everyone's mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just really, really interesting. I mean, it was, um, and again, fair play to Stephen King as well. He, he seems to dream up these stories. He said he, he 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 had a dream when he was on a flight to London about this entire story, and that was it. And he wrote it. And he's like, "What? How can I? Come on, I don't have dreams like that." Yeah, but like, you've got to imagine again the 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 Stephen King fandom. He had a lot to draw from here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, people just sending messages. When's the next uh, Shining coming out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Although, actually, having said that, and um, this is not a Rob Reiner. Um, you know link at all but have have you so um the the um the shining sequel is dr sleep um which is the, the book that stephen king wrote um relatively recently it was made into a film called dr sleep as well with ewan mcgregor okay. it's really good okay it's worth watching it's very very good it's dr. completely sleep. it's called dr sleep yeah okay i'll give that a look it's, yeah it's worth watching it might i think it might be on amazon prime but it's it's one of those films where it's got it it looks and feels nothing like the original nothing like the shining nothing could um <laughs> it's it's a lot more it's a lot more um traditional in terms of the adaptation of the book but it's very very good and the book's very good as well another example of me thinking well dr sleep that sounds rubbish i'm not going to enjoy this and i picked it up and read it and like within about a day i'd read it all thinking wow that was bloody brilliant Stephen king <laughs> and then the next Stephen king comes out and i'm like no oh, that's rubbish i'm not reading that and he'll pick it up oh i've read it whoa Stephen king oh i should just probably just say give up and say i'm a Stephen king fan probably yeah i think that's the, the course you should take <laughs> okay i will his number, one, his number one fan, you might say. Oh, crikey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I, think, I think we're done, aren't we, Hugh? I think so. Any other films similar to that? Again, I'd mentioned Dolores Claiborne, I which is not 
which is a Stephen King film uh, produced by Rob Reiner with Kathy uh, Kathy um, Bates in it. So it's 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 nothing like Misery, but it is a very good character driven Stephen King novel. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. That was good fun. Uh, yeah, the thing, yeah. yeah, thing I was thinking of in terms of um, a kind of this is this is a two hander with two very good actors kind of trapped in a single space for the whole course of the film, and that's Sleuth, which is a uh, the the, the stage play with Laurence Olivier, Michael Caine in it. Um, Does which, that have um? Christopher Reeve in it as well. No, nope, it doesn't. Does it, it, no. it is just those two. Um, oh, right. Okay, so I don't know that. Oh, Sleuth. Oh, uh, maybe it's a Weekend at Crombie's Oof. one. Uh, yeah. So, so Sleuth's a good one. Um, okay. But, good. The, but but that again, that has I mean, that's a thriller. It's it's not a yeah. it's not horror yeah. per se, but it's a it has that element of of cat and mouse um, in it as well. So that's quite good. Um, other than that, no, I don't, I don't know where the similar ones. How about you? Uh, I mean, you you've, you mentioned. Um, most of them, like Dolores Claiborne is one. Uh, you mentioned Psycho. It's a slightly, obviously, it's a different kind of film, but I think there's elements to that the house, the, um, you know, the, the the strange person in it, etc. Yeah. Um, the, the other Stephen King adaptations, the the Stand, which Kathy Bates is in, and also um, Needful Things, which I think is quite a good Stephen King adaptation in a, in the kind of TV movie yeah. genre with Ed Harris. I, think I quite like that as well. So, okay. um, to be honest, as I say. There are a lot of Stephen King adaptations. Some are very good. Some are terrible. Dreamcatcher. It's like the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a terrible <laughs> film. Oh, it's awful. But, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, in terms of Misery, I think Misery, it stands alone as a, at that time, quite a unique proposition, I think. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, it's uh, it's it's very hard to pigeonhole, and again, I'm being nostalgic again. I guess in the days when you could just have a random film come out and be a huge hit, because yeah, yeah you can, yeah, you can't have that now. Oh, well, it doesn't seem to happen now, anyway. It, it, it has to be a, a very rare and special film that breaks through. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose Misery's right. mis- mis- that too, but I, I guess. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. I, guess... I suppose it is, but it, it was more common. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like I mean, let's say you'd have um, what was the. Uh... Was the Taika Waititi film about um, of the um, Jojo Rabbit? I mean, that's obviously. Fine. I'm just trying to think of a film that get captures yeah. the imagination. From I hate that film, by the way. You don't like it? Okay. Well, oh, <laughs> it, others like it, but I guess <laughs> then you, you had the momentum of a director. Maybe Rob Reiner had that momentum as a director. Maybe he did. Yeah, because you're you've right. got oh, the Harry Met Sally director. Oh, wow, he's yeah, doing that's a Stephen King novel, yeah. like Stand by Me. Yeah. Maybe that's the, the kind of the connection he's making. Is how did it get made? probably because of Rob Reiner. So again, it's, it's the touch yeah. of he makes the films he wants to make. And you're right, because Misery didn't emerge out of nothing, did it? it you know, yeah. it's a, an adaptation of one of the best-selling novelists of all time yeah. by the director of When Harry Met Sally. You know, it's it's not a load of unknowns. Yeah, it's got pedigree, hasn't it, I suppose, in that regard. So e- even Misery isn't a complete unknown, but it, yeah. it, it just... I don't know. But you had, know. It, had it made five million dollars, be going. What was he thinking? He just yeah. made Harry met Sally. He <laughs> yeah. had Stephen. It's yeah. another one of those Stephen King things that doesn't it? work. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's a, a heck risk. of a risk because he could have, you know, he had he had the sure thing and he had Stand by Me. Uh, he had um, Harry met Sally. He could have made another good rom com. Yeah, he could have yeah, done could've. another Princess Bride. He he could have picked anything. So to have picked this, it's, it's still a punt, even with Stephen King behind yeah, you. It's a punt, yeah. Making an R-rated movie with you know one established star, one unknown, and yeah. a very odd plot. It's a, it's not nothing. No, I I I, yeah, I agree with that. But then you could, I suppose, you could say that about when Harry met Sally as well. You know that. Yeah, yeah. The, and you know, this is Spinal Tap isn't exactly a shoe in, is it? It's not yeah. exactly commercial but that, yeah. gold. But that's the first movie. You're allowed. I suppose to it is. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Once, yeah, once yeah, you got yeah. momentum going, yeah, it's a, true. it's a, yeah. 
Yeah, you can be think... a bit. You can. You can. You can. You can take a risk a bit more, can't you? Yeah. Well, it was a few good men. I mean, Tom Cruise obviously was hot property then, and Jack Nicholson was Jack Nicholson, and Demi Moore as well. You know? Yeah. And uh, so, in many ways, that's that's the, the surest thing he's you made. Can do, yeah. Uh, I mean, but I... again, the, but a again a movie about legal procedures. Aaron Sorkin wasn't a massive screenwriting star by that point. Was this before? It was before The West Wing, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah. uh, The West Wing came off Rob Reiner's ninth film, um, The American President. Oh, did it? Well, in the sense of, you know, it's a shame yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. run to an extent because the American president yeah, is the forerunner of the West Wing. Oh, I see. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, we... And of course, that's written by Aaron Sorkin as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. And uh, I mean, I, I suppose there is a uh, there's a sad irony to this, I guess, really, which is. We 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 might well have been doing eight Rob Reiner films if north hadn't got in the way of the american president yes do, do you know what i mean because the, the american president is another absolute belter yes it's well i've not yeah you're right i, I mean I, I know of it i've not seen it but oh, it's, a, you know, it's yeah yeah i i, I, I know, i've heard good things about it but it's one of those it's one of those films where it, it's it's in the cultural zeitgeist it's cultural knowledge you know if it's the forerunner of the west wing as you say then that would very much fit in to the eight run uh yeah. rob reiner hit it's just that unfortunately after a few good men north came along and yeah. you think what happened yeah <laughs> it's so good to break that streak although you get well two reasons for this firstly i'm very grateful for north because it's two weeks to christmas and we're doing yeah. our last run so yeah. it's, it's the, we the, can't the, watch anymore can we those of you listening to this run we massively overextended ourselves to do seven <laughs> yeah. extra films yeah. and, and yeah. thank god it was only seven the other thing was we've just said it all he took chances misery was yeah, a chance true. north was a punt north was a punt that didn't work misery yeah, was but you can't you can't you know, fair, fair play for trying, right? Yeah, North. If North had been another wonderful movie, go. My God, what was he thinking? He took another yeah, punt, and North was true. fantastic, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. So, He's... yeah, fair play. Yeah, fair play. I agree. I agree. Well, you know, I've um, I've certainly, I think I've reass. I wouldn't say I've reassessed Rob Run. I think I've just come to the conclusion that he's bloody good. Yeah. Well, certainly yeah. in his early career as well. But you know, wow. Yeah, it's been nice reappreciating a lot of these films because it's the. Uh... You know, of the I knew six of the seven already, but just watching them with fresh eyes and yeah, knowing it was the same guy that did them all—that's an unusual thing. It is an unusual. I would thing. not well, put that connection together. No, no, and um, even though I, yeah, as you said, I'd seen um, all of them before. I think um, I—I'm not sure I would have twigged that they were all Rob Reiner, to be honest. Yeah. But there you go. So yeah, he deserves—he deserves a lot of credit there. Uh, are we going to give scores for Misery? Should we? I think so. I, th- I would. I would give it uh, five broken ankles out of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I. I would as well. I think it's. I mean, it's a classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a classic. It's, that also, you know, you, you can you can watch it again and again, can't you? Yeah, it, it, that's the definition of a classic, isn't I suppose it? But, it is, uh, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, you, you'd watch it now, or you wouldn't think, oh, this is that really old film that's kind of that's weathered a bit. It's like oh, no. no you it, no. It, apart from the fact that you know he he said, "Why don't you get this smartphone and call it?" Yeah, there, there well, it nothing... could just be set. It's set in the early nineties. Yeah, it? there's there's that's nothing true. here that that yeah that ages it in I guess style in terms of oh that's a real thing. It's like that's there's two good actors. You engage in the in the in the emotion and the plot of it. Brilliant. Oh, well, there we go. Rob so there we go. So uh, the book has been closed. 
Yes, although we're going to pretend that the book has not been closed because we've got one more sequentially one to go. Yes, uh, a, few a few good men. A few good men, yeah. How would we think of that? But uh, yeah, so dear listener, uh, if you've stuck with us for the last six episodes, we apologise for the, the varying chronology of the order yeah. we've seen them in. Yeah, it, it, but, uh, if we sound like we're being a bit whimsical now, it's because we've had to watch seven Rob Reiner films. <laughs> we're just, I think it's the only time we've both tried to give excuses for not doing a recording. <laughs> because <laughs> we're just sick of Rob Reiner films but it's been good fun hasn't it it's been brilliant yeah uh, next time we'll do something with it with a smaller catalogue but uh, it's <laughs> yeah. it's been well worth doing absolutely well there we are very good to do so until then and uh, well, well we'll see you surely if you've made it this far you won't want to miss the seventh in our Rob Reiner run mm. uh, so we'll see you for then and then we'll hope to see you back at our regularly scheduled podcast Weekend at Crombies good evening all Weekend well, you weren't lying. You do sound like you've got a head cold. Oh my goodness! I, you know what? It was. It's you know sometimes when you get asleep, and you wake up the next morning, and think, "Oh, I'm down with the cold. This is yeah, off." Yeah, yeah. And then that's okay because you got you you got the cold when you're asleep. But like I woke up thinking, "Ooh, ooh don't don't feel quite right this morning." I wonder what that oh, is. Oh really? Okay. Take, take a lemon zip, and then through the process of the day, I just, oh, it just felt got worse. It taking me over. It's just like oh, that's oh, horrible, no. isn't it? That's far far worse. It's like I can feel it. Oh no, it's awful. Yeah, because if you, if you wake up with it. Yeah, you, you, uh, there's something about not having experienced it when it's come on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like almost it's, normal, like, isn't it? It's more normal. Yeah, it's like a piano drops on your head. You don't feel it bit by bit, inch by no. inch, knowing there's nothing you can do to stop <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you don't get it worse. No. That's true. You don't. Yeah. But I must have. I've sneezed so loud I uh, woke up next door's dog. If, uh, <laughs> if if that's an indication. <laughs>